0: Welcome to CBJ in 30, the official podcast of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McElligant. Welcome to another CBJ in 30 Monday Mailbag, the post All-Star Weekend edition. I'm not calling it the All-Star Game. I won't do it because it was a series of games and a skills competition. So it was the All-Star Weekend. So here we are, post All-Star Weekend Johnny Gaudreau representing the Blue Jackets extremely well in the All-Star festivities this weekend as he had a hat trick in the Metropolitan Division game. They only had one game. What do you think about the All-Star game? What do you think about the skills competition? I'm going to leave that open for you today, especially if you're with me live on Twitter Spaces. You can request to be a speaker. I'll bring you on, and we can talk about that. I was underwhelmed with... Everything, quite honestly. Uh, I watched the skills competition. I thought it was very busy. I thought there was uh, a lot going on. I think, in in some ways, I think there was too much going on. In some ways, I think there was way too much going on with the skills competition. I I didn't like the whole back and forth. Some of the events were obviously pre-taped because they were outside. Others were taking place in the arena. I can't imagine what it would have been like to be in the arena watching the pre-taped events on the scoreboard. Maybe it was fine. I don't know. Maybe you were there, and you could tell me. I don't know. But uh, I was, wasn't was really a fan of that. I didn't like how things were broken up. I, I didn't like how they started some competitions, and then they came back with some more contestants, if you will, later in the competition. That they, The breakaway challenge thing was just – I I just – I maybe I'm too old to get it any longer. I don't know. But it was not. Uh, I didn't. I didn't find it very fun. Uh, I didn't understand it a lot, <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean the the David Posternak Happy Gilmore thing had me completely baffled. Just baffled. I I, I don't know. And maybe you liked it. Maybe I didn't. Maybe uh, I don't know. You could tell me what you think about that. But I was uh, I was underwhelmed with the entire thing. Uh, the shooting of the the pucks on the golf course that Johnny Gaudreau participated in, uh, again, a pre-taped thing outside and done days before. and I don't know. Maybe maybe the concept of it was good. Maybe genuinely there was a, a good good faith concept, but it I don't know that it translated. Now, again, I have a 21-year-old son that said I thought it was pretty cool when they were shooting the pucks on the golf course, but that's why I'm saying maybe – Maybe it appealed to you. Maybe there are some things that appealed to you that just didn't appeal to me, and that's okay. But uh, there was there was overwhelming opinion on social media throughout the course of that skills competition. What about the games themselves, the three-on-three tournament that was run for the uh, to win the All-Star competition itself? Um, that I didn't mind as much. You know, there's a lot of question, are, are goalies trying or skaters trying? Blah, 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 blah. I think they're trying more in the actual games than they're trying in the skills competition, quite frankly. But then on the same token, nobody's going to go to a point where they're going to hurt themselves and not be able to come back and play today or Friday or whenever they're coming back to action following the break. So, I mean, that part is what it is. Uh, Show me an all-star game in any league that is played like the real game is played. And the only one, in my opinion, that you could even make the argument on is baseball. But baseball, then again, sometimes, you know, it's – you can throw a nice uh, flat fastball to a guy if you want him to get a hit in a certain situation um, or whatever. But baseball is the closest one. The NBA, not even close. What's the final score in the NBA? Usually 189, 186. No defense whatsoever played in that. Um, I don't know if you watched the, the new and improved and I put quotation marks around improved the pro bowl flag football stuff yesterday. Um, yeah, I, that, I don't know. Again, it just, it didn't really appeal to me. Um, I, it looked like they were having fun and nobody was going to get their ACL torn in that game. So I guess that's really what it's all about. But again, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to go to the point where there are some people that are like, all all-star games have to just cease. It's no fun anymore. I'm not going to go to that length because I actually enjoyed the games. I sat and I watched the games, and it, it was fun. It was fun to watch Johnny. It was fun to watch him play with Artemi Panarin. Um, you know, they uh, – they did a pretty good job together, didn't they? Yeah, they combined uh, pretty nicely on their line. And I think, and I'm trying to remember, who was the third guy that they played with? They didn't have a defenseman, right? They just had three forwards on their unit. So they were already handicapped when they went out there. Uh, notice Adam Fox played with Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby. Shocker. Right? They're going to make sure they get a defenseman on that trio. And I really liked watching those two guys play alongside of each other. I did. I, it's It was it was fun to watch the way they passed the puck back and forth, and they, they just created so many chances and uh, it made goalies feel and look stupid is, is what they did. So that was fun. I enjoyed watching uh, the Metropolitan Division team. I thought it was uh, a travesty, for lack of a better term, that Connor McDavid and Crosby Ovechkin were both out after one game. I really do. I I think, you know, those are three of the biggest stars in the game. It would have been nice to see at least one of the two teams, the Pacific or the Metropolitan Division, make it to the championship round. But it didn't happen. It was the Central against the Atlantic, and the Atlantic won it. And the Kachuk brothers played together, and they had a good time playing as teammates. And uh, Matthew Kachuk playing for the Florida Panthers, playing on home ice, and playing with Alexander Barkov on – his team with his brother Brady, that was a nice storyline, and that was fun to watch. And the only other thing I'll say about it that I didn't like, I thought the entire thing, and I'm talking about the the tournament, the three-on-three, three, I thought it took entirely too long, way too long. I don't know if you can speed it up, how you can speed it up. Uh, you could take the concert out of the middle, but that's probably not going to be something that anybody's going to be uh, quick to listen to. But uh, I I just thought the whole thing was too long. It was fun, and then it just drug on and on and on and on and on. So, anyway, those are my views from the NHL All-Star Weekend. Uh, Again, they went into South Florida. Um, They did some some good things. The league said, Gary Bettman said they brought uh, millions of dollars into the economy there, so that is great. Uh, they try to utilize the outside as much as they could. Again, whether you like the outside events that they had or you didn't is uh, personal personal preference and viewpoint, I guess. But, um, you know, they, they they put on a good show. They do put on a good show. And I can tell you that from just going to Finland this past year and just watching the work that the NHL people that come on the trip, that they do behind the scenes, the amount of planning that goes into all of those events, the way that uh, they've got to coordinate things and there were times on the ice it didn't look like the events were coordinated whatsoever, but that wasn't for lack of planning. I'll tell you that. That has to do with you're trying to explain to the players and the players are trying to understand. And Even if you've gone over it with them, what are the chances that they paid full attention the first time? Now they're standing at center ice and they're going, wait a minute, what? I, I, I've got to do what? Now when the puck comes to me, I what? So, <laughs> that, so that part of it is uh, excusable to me, but uh, the NHL, they put on a good show. Wherever they happen to travel, and uh, overall, I thought it was it was a great show. Again, parts of it I would have changed, and the length of the uh, entire production on Saturday I would have changed. But other than that, it was great. And the league gets together, and everybody's in a feel-good mood, and now everybody's ready to go back to work. There are games that resume. In the league tonight, of course, the Blue Jackets do not resume until Friday when they open a home-and-home with the Toronto Maple Leafs, which I'm very excited about, by the way. And I'll tell you about that a little bit more later on. But I'm excited about that home-and-home series with Toronto. But right now, it is time for me to get to your questions. So if you're with me live on Twitter Spaces, request to be a speaker. I'll bring you up, and you can ask your question live. If you have already sent me your question via Twitter, at BobbyMacSports, I'm going to start to go through those right now. The first one is from Bjork Swag, who says, your thoughts on how many goals Kirill Marchenko will end the season with? Well, let's see. He's got 13 goals right now, and what are there, 31 games left for the Blue Jackets? He has got a legitimate chance of hitting the 20-goal mark. and that's. It almost seems like that's a no-brainer, but then again, there are a lot of factors that are going to be in play. Like, um, you know, he's got to stay healthy. That's number one, and I hate to say that, but uh, so many people on this team have not been able to follow that mantra this year. So he's got to stay healthy. That's first and foremost. Then, uh, in addition to that, uh, he's he's got to get hot. And how much ice time is he going to see in any given circumstance? Now, he should see a lot, but you never know. It, it all goes game to game. So... Um, how many do I think he will get? I will say he's got 13 now. I will say 22. 22. That would be 9 over 31 games. And he's, he's, he's been so hot as of late that uh, I, I'm comfortable with that. So that's what I'm going to say to you, and I hope he eclipses it. I, I think it would be great if he goes above and beyond what I think that he's going to do. And Kilch says, when are we finally done with this season? Oh, no. <laughs> I read that wrong. I read that wrong. That's not what it says. When we are finally done with this season, I'm sorry. Uh, when we are finally done with this season, how much do you believe the front office can put the failures on just injuries? I understand it's a terrible situation with all of the players that have gone down, but if you look even early on, this team was debatedly playing, worst, uh, playing worse than than we were more. Oh, we were playing worse than when we were more healthy. Okay, that's what that's supposed to say. Also, not to mention, teams like Washington are down John Carlson, who's a top-pairing defenseman. They're down Tom Wilson, Nicholas Backstrom, and Connor Brown have been out most of the year, and they're still fielding a competitive product. Probably goes along the lines of being a more established team, like you and Jody were saying when you interviewed John Davidson last week. Just wanted to hear your thoughts. Thanks, as always, for taking our questions. Well, you are welcome, as always, for that. they Look, they have every right to blame a lot of this on injuries. And you have every right to point out the fact that this team did not get off to a great start when everybody was healthy at the beginning. But they never got a chance to work out of that. Would they start three and seven? They never got a chance to work their way out of it because then guys started dropping with injuries and, and going out for long periods of time. So uh, from that standpoint, I think they are every bit – Uh, entitled to uh, blame the injuries. And you talk about Washington. Yeah, you answered your own question on that. They are a more established team. Uh, They are a team that has won a Stanley Cup. They are a veteran team. They, uh, you know, some of the guys that they have, they're able to put some guys in place that are more experienced guys. When, When the Blue Jackets have had guys going out of the lineup, They have been replacing those players with rookies or guys with very little National Hockey League experience. The Capitals have gone about it in different ways. Uh, You know, they're able to get – they were able to bring other guys in and sign them. They knew Backstrom was going to be out for a long time, right? So they were able to get Strome and bring him in there. Cases like that. They knew what they they were dealing with with some of those guys before the season even started, which made it more helpful to them. But – The guys that they got to replace the guys that were out, again, more experienced National Hockey League players. So, that's why they're able to go. And I won't say that they have uh, smoothly gone through all of that because they're in a wild card spot, right? Uh, They're battling to make sure that they're a playoff team. So, it hasn't been smooth for them, Uh, you know, (laughs) That's another good point. I mean, if they were to miss the playoffs, are they going to say, well, John Carlson was out for a long time and Backstrom was out for a long time and Tom Wilson was out and he came back and he's out again? Yeah, yeah, they, yes, they will. Absolutely, they will. Um, but uh, that's that's why, that's why they're able to navigate it a little bit better because they, they just they went out and got uh, more experienced guys. And the Blue Jackets don't have that luxury right now, and they don't need to have that luxury right now. I, I, again, I've said this before, and I'll tell you right now, this season, when you look back on it, is painful in many ways, as this season has been and will be the rest of the way. I think you're going to look back on this one next year, year after, maybe three, four years down the road, and you're going to say, you know what, that really stunk to go through that. But here's what we learned. Here's what we found out. We found out this guy can play. Uh, we found out this guy can play in a higher and a bigger role. Uh, we find out that this guy can't play. Uh, we found out that this guy had some traits that we didn't even know, and it's just because people are having to be put into different spots in the lineup and do different things. So I I do believe that. I, I really do. and If I have to come back in a year, two, three, four, and say to you, I was totally wrong in that whole opinion that I had. Uh, then I'll do that. But as of right now, I think that this year is going to pay dividends in the future just because you're going to learn some things about the team that you have. I'm going to go to Twitter Spaces in just a second. But first, uh, Barrett Nichols says, what do you think the chances are that Johnny Hockey breaks the single season Blue Jackets points record of 87 this year? Well, he's got 48 in 51 games, so he's at a point-per-game player. So he's just a little bit under point-per-game. At a point-per-game player, he'd have 87. Uh, he's three behind. He's got to get 30. What's he have to get? He's got to get 31. 30. He's got to get a lot of points. It's going to be close. It's going to be close for Johnny. It's going to depend, really, what the guys around him can do because, as you see, most of his points come off assists. So if he's setting guys up and if they're burying their chances, and that's a crapshoot the way that uh, things have gone this year, if they bury their chances, he's got a really good shot at it. I don't know if he's going to get there. Uh, as I said, he's just uh, three points behind the pace right now, the point per game. He needs a little bit better than that. So um, he's got an opportunity. I don't know if he's going to be able to reach it or not. All right, let's go to Twitter Spaces and see what you have to say, what's on your mind here for this Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and 30 coming out of the – NHL All-Star break and getting ready to open a home-and-home series with the Toronto Maple Leafs at Nationwide Arena on Friday. Let's go to Paul and see what Paul has on his mind. Hi, Paul.
1: Hey, Bobby Mack. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, the better question is how many assists will Kirill Machenko end up with by the end of the season? I hope
0: it's zero. (laughs) Just for something to talk about. Just for something to talk.
1: Truly incredible if that actually happens.
0: Now nah, he'll get some. He'll it, it'll it's it's a matter of time. I think uh, I'm surprised he's gone this far without any. He is too probably. It was funny because somebody was asking him uh, about this just before the break, and he went out of his way to say that in Cleveland he had more assists than he had goals. So it is possible for him to get assists even though you haven't seen any yet.
1: Uh, we'll be sure to keep our hopes up for a few of those
0: <laughs> anyways uh, I'm curious I,
1: I heard your uh, what you had to say about the all-star game and I'm you know it seems like guys you know they've kind of done everything they can it's kind of becoming a little gimmicky and things like that and I don't know that the players necessarily buy in you know they're skate like they're skating 70 50 75 percent most of the time but do you think if they made it more financially attractive to the players that the product on the ice would become better? I mean, the NHL is going to make money off this. The networks are making money off of the games. Advertisers are making money. And then the players, I think the winning team split like a million dollars for charities. But maybe if they uh, you know, they upped that, made it more attractive to the guys, made it more of a charitable donation to their foundation, something like that. Do you think maybe that would have an impact on the product?
0: Well, I don't know. I can't on the ice? I can't speak for them, but I'll tell you right now, if they were going to put that cash in my pocket, I'd be more incentivized. Um, but they, it's, people think that these guys have enough money. Could you ever really have enough money? I mean, Paul, if I gave you $2 bucks and said, I've got another million, do you want this or are you good? You'd take the million, right?
1: 100%.
0: Yeah, of course you would. But anyway, um, I, I don't know. I I really don't know. It's it's a possibility, but, you know, the fact is uh, they don't want to get hurt in that competition, and I understand that, you know, because that could be be devastating to them, could be devastating to their team. Uh, You know, like McDavid finally asked to be out of the fastest skater competition. I don't blame him for that, Uh, which I'm glad he was in the accuracy competition because that was fun to watch, and – you know, even though he didn't finish before Kadri I mean, for goodness sakes, he went eight for eight. That should have counted for something. But anyhow, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I think it might just be you get what you get. They played harder in the games than they did in the skills competition, and that might be the best that you can hope for. Because I'll tell you something. Um, I, I thought the goalies played really well, and I, I thought uh, UC Soros, he was playing that like it was a regular game. He didn't look like he was afraid of pulling a groin or anything in that game. He was out there to play and out to win. So I I do appreciate that from the goalies because of all all of the positions that you could be uh, putting yourself in jeopardy. I mean, look what uh, Crosby and Ovechkin did—the way they had goalies going side to side with their passes at the top of the crease—it was sick. So I give those guys credit for uh, for putting out a good effort anyway. But I, I don't know if I I don't know if even more money is going to more effort i think it's a it is a show and i think the players came there to to put on the show but within reason they'll put on a show they're real shows in the playoffs not at the all-star game
1: i understand no that makes sense the other the other thing i noticed i'm not sure florida at least this is my uh my opinion i don't know that florida was the best venue for it i'm sure it's good for the guys to go down there and hang out in the sun and things like that but that skills competition, the lower bowl looked very empty at times. I don't know if that came across, uh, that you saw that or not, but you know, they have a hard enough time filling, uh, filling the stands for, uh, filling the arena for the Panthers games. And it seemed like it might've carried over to the all-star game too.
0: Yeah. I saw that. And I, like when I first saw it, I thought, are there people out buying beer while this is going on or what's going on here? Um, so, again, I, maybe that was some of it. Maybe there were just times that people were out of their seats and, and they were in the concourse. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I think everybody should have it. I I think it should be a rotating thing. I think everybody should have the opportunity. I think that, you know, from having it here a couple of years ago, it's such a great experience. And, yeah, you want every seat filled for it. But I, I just think that – I think everybody should get the opportunity to, uh, to experience it. So, yeah, it was good for the players. You, did you notice most of them went, Paul?
1: I did notice that. Yes, I, I, definitely did.
0: I mean, in Winnipeg, I don't know if everybody's showing up, but they all showed up in Florida. It'll
1: be interesting to see what happens in Toronto next year for it. I think the the fans will certainly be into it a lot more.
0: Yeah, they sh- they um, shouldn't have, the have as, as uh, they shouldn't have as many outdoor events in the skills competition. I wouldn't think.
1: Ah, come on, have like a fastest across the lake or something <laughs> like that.
0: Uh, you're a marketing guru, Paul. There we go. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. If you want to be on this uh, Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ 30, all you have to do is request to be a speaker if you are on Twitter Spaces with me right now, and you can do that. And we can have a conversation about uh, pretty much whatever you want to have a conversation about. It's very simple. Jonathan would like to come on and speak on today's show. Hello, Jonathan.
2: Hi, Bob. How are you doing today?
0: Good. How are you? Doing well. Can you hear me all right? Yes, I can.
2: Perfect. Uh, so, first off, just kind of going back to your comments about you know looking back at this season a couple of years from now, uh, you know I think it'll be different. And I think that's doubly or triply true, or even more so if we pick up Bedard or or even Fantilli uh, at the at the draft because of this year. I think everybody will be more than happy to have dealt with one season of this for that kind of reward. Um, but on top of that, I wanted to to ask particularly about. Elvis Merzliken's contract, because I've seen a lot of different theories thrown out about what should be done with him. And the one that I've seen recently is, is about the possibility of a buyout. Uh, do you think that that's at all likely for Elvis, given that, you know, I mean, he was kind of expected to be the goalie of the future, but with Tarasov looking good when he's played, although the injury bugs bit him uh, or, you know, maybe even extending Korpi. do you think that a buyout is at all possible? Because you're certainly not trading Elvis, Possible, um, but I don't know. How long you want to ride him out either? Well,
0: possible, yes, possible. Likely, I would think absolutely not. He's only in the first year of a five-year deal. So if you're going to buy him out, now you're going to be on the hook for eight years because you, you double the term left on the contract. You don't have to pay the full amount, but you you have to you double the term left on the contract. So you're going to be taking a hit for the next eight years on your salary cap uh, because you decided to buy him out. So I think it would be premature. To buy him out, I think that um, I think you have two options. Number one, you said you can't trade him. I think you can trade him, but but you're going to have to trade what could be considered a bad contract for another bad contract. You're going to have to take somebody else that maybe you wouldn't, because if you see if you see this as a guy that you just have to remove from this situation, regardless, and you don't want to buy him out, you don't want to be on the hook for a long time with money, then. You might have to trade him for another bad contract and take somebody else that maybe you wouldn't necessarily have been interested in, but the money matches up and, and you'll worry about that as you go along. Um, so that's one option. The other option is that you hope that he's able to get himself straightened out. And and I would I would assume, I don't know 100%. I, I know we talked to John Davidson last week on the Inside Edge. Uh, and if you missed that, you can go back and, and listen to it uh, or podcast channel, but, you know, he said that, you know, Elvis, um, you know, he, he just needs to work his way through it, and, and that's through practice and when he gets into games and all that stuff. So I think the preferred method would be for him to to do just that, to work his way through it. Now, what stinks is the guy that has been your best goalie, this year. And when I say best, go ahead and put some quotation marks around that because nobody set the world on fire. But the guy that's been the best of the three has been Corpusolo. He's on a one-year deal. Uh, more than likely is going to be traded before the deadline. So you're going to take your your best guy, you're probably going to lose. And you're going to have, still have Elvis with four years of contract left. You're going to have Tarasov with two years left after this year. And and that's probably what you're going to to work with the rest of the way. I, I just don't see I don't see them saying I, I can't see them throwing up their hands and saying, well, we made a mistake and we're just gonna buy him out. Because that that would be a pretty big mistake. And that's that's a lot of money worth a mistake right there. So I think they would be more apt to hoping that he can work it out. If you could find some kind of a trade, like personally, if I could find the trade and I think Corpusalo is back to being where he was a couple of years ago I'd trade, and I'd try to extend. And then, you know, Corpus All would have to agree to extend, too. And I'm not saying that he wouldn't, but, you know, he's kind of gone through a lot of stuff here in the last couple of years. He took this one-year deal to come back and prove that he was still the goalie that uh, that took them through that Toronto series in the bubble a couple of years ago. I think he's doing that right now. Um, but I just I cannot see Elvis being bought out this summer. I just It's too much money for too long a period of time.
2: Sure, uh, no, I think totally makes a lot of sense. And then he's going to um, go, three. and then,
0: even if you did buy him out, and he could go back to Europe, uh, and even if he does, he's going to be getting a double paycheck. I mean, you, you know, you, you see these guys, you buy them. Alexander Wendberg did this; they bought him out, they didn't have to pay him for much longer. But then he went and he played for somebody else, and you're still you're paying him to play for somebody else. I I don't know. Again, with a goalie with the 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 few years of NHL experience that he has, I don't think that they would be willing to pay him to play for somebody else right now.
2: Sure. No, absolutely. Uh, And then another thing with Elvis, I I heard from Aaron Portsline talking about it the other day that there was reports that they wanted, that there was maybe either concern about his work ethic right now or something to that effect that, like, they feel like he's not trying to earn his job back right now. Have you heard anything to that or maybe clarify that kind of comment? i
0: i read that same thing that you're talking about but like i said when we talked with john davidson last week he was very quick to point out that he didn't think that it was a work ethic thing with elvis he didn't think that uh that he wasn't working he thinks that he is working but he just needs to i think it's work smarter more than work harder um you know what i mean and 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 is he concerned about he i don't i don't know where his concern level is with Being in the net, I don't know if he's okay with being a backup. I I can't see how he would be, because he loves to be in the limelight, and the backup is never in the limelight. So I I I don't know. I you know I see him working in practice. Uh, I see him playing in practice. I see him getting ticked off in practice when he gives up what he considers to be a bad goal. So, um, to me, if he didn't care, why would he get mad? Because he's okay with being where he is. So again, I I read that same thing. I, I can't tell you that, uh, you know, nobody's given me, nobody said that to me, and I don't have that opinion just by looking at him. Sure.
2: Cool. Well, thanks, right. Bob. Appreciate it. All
0: right, Jonathan, thank you. Thanks for being on the show today. If you want to be on the show and you're with me live on Twitter Spaces right now, you can do it. Just request to be a speaker, and we will chat, and we'll have a conversation again about whatever you want to converse about. It's really simple. Let me take another uh, question off Twitter here. Union in Blue says, Bob, what did you do for the All-Star break? Well, I told you, I watched the skills competition and I watched the games, which means I did nothing. I didn't do anything. I've been trying to been trying to do some stuff around the house, which is so much fun that I can't wait until we get back to playing this weekend. Can't wait. Maybe that's why I'm excited about the home-and-home home with Toronto. Maybe it's just a to get out of here and go back to work and, and not to have to try to take stuff off the list. Maybe. I don't know. Do I have to admit to that? Did I admit to it? I'm not sure. Erwin, welcome to the Monday Mailbag. How are you?
3: Not bad. Now, you need to be honest. If your son had been playing baseball in Florida, you'd have been down there.
0: I would have been down there. That's right. I Last year he was, and, and this year he's not, and um, so he – he robbed me of a vacation. There you go. I'll be honest. How's that? No, I'm
2: yeah, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, sure.
3: Well, I wanted to hit on a couple of things real quick here. The first thing is I wanted to talk about the draft lottery, but I'm not going to ask you about some guy who might go 18th overall that you've never seen play. I wanted to actually talk about the system itself. And I did a deep dive into this over the last 10 days or so because there were things I didn't understand. And just for the sake of all the listeners, I'll say this, although I know you already know it. Uh, they changed the way they started doing business after three years ago, Detroit finished with 39 points for the season, but only got the fourth overall pick. And two teams that were in the play-in round during the bubble actually got to draft ahead of them. So they brought in this new system. And in the two years that they've had it, what's kind of, what stands out is there's been very little change The first year they did it, Seattle moved up from three to two, and Anaheim dropped back one. And last year, there was no change at all. So that was the first thing I wanted to try and determine why that was. And then the other thing I was trying to figure out was all the odd percentages, 25.5%, 55.7%. I wanted to know where those things came from. So what I discovered was, if you were to look at the, uh, the thing that they set up for the lottery, the columns either going across for each team or going down for all the teams totals a 1,000, okay? So in this case, they have a 1,000 ping-pong balls in the machine, and if Columbus remained at the bottom of the standings, they would have 255 balls in there, Chicago 135, Anaheim 115, and so on. Now, what the draft is really all about is determining the first two picks. And if you took the first pick, you would notice if you totaled the column down, it comes up short at 940. And the reason for that is because the teams 12 through 16, although they're not eligible for the first pick, they are still eligible to move up 10 spots. So what I found out that was really interesting was that means there are 60 ping pong balls in there representing those five teams. If in the, in the event that they would pull one of those for the first pick, that would move that team up, like let's say Nashville would go from 15th to 5th, but would automatically lock the team in at the bottom of the standings at number one. So that means effectively, what the real truth is, whoever finishes at the bottom of the standings doesn't have a 25.5% chance of, of getting the first pick. They actually would have a 31.5% chance because those 60 ping pong balls would lock them in at number one.
0: Well I'm glad you researched that because I've been doing some uh, crash course stuff before I went on today about this because uh, I had somebody asking about the draft and now it's not actually a thousand balls right it's 14 balls but it's what you get every team gets assigned a series of codes and then they they draw the balls and come up with the code and that's how it's determined so it's not like they have this huge lottery machine where there are a thousand balls in it. I just want to make that clear to to everybody that's. You know, that, but you you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying, and, that, and you're that, right. That
3: was the best way. That was. The no, best no no way
0: no no. I, 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 I no you're right. Yeah. I get it. But I, I'm just saying that you know for anybody that thinks that they have a, a room size. Lottery machine that they're putting a 1,000 balls in. That's not the way they're doing it. They do it with these codes that are assigned prior to the lottery, and then they draw and they assign the codes to the team, and that's how they do it. But, yes, you are right. It is uh, That is how it goes through, and I'm glad that you did that. You did that dive on that. Um, yeah, it's – I don't know. I, I still try to wrap my head around it, to, to be honest with you, Irwin, and, um, you know, even going through all that, I'm still trying to put it together. But your whole point is – that, as you see it, it's better than a 25% chance, better than one out of four.
3: Uh, yeah. And so, if you get past the second pick, it's almost like everything kind of locks in. And that's why there's very little change on this. But I would say that if you look at it like the 255, like if, if things stood the way they are right now and stayed that way to the end, 255 to for Columbus, but the actual 660 that they could pick up and 135 for Chicago. That totals 450. So they've set this up that there's a 45% chance that the, one of the two bot, uh, teams at the bottom are going to get that number one pick, which I think is a much better system than the one that they used to have.
0: Yeah, well, you know, once when that happened to the Wings and Steve Eiserman was with the Wings, they were not going to stay with the same system. And, and by the way, he was right. They, they were awful. And they got no reward for it whatsoever. Although, didn't they take most cider with that pick? I believe they did. Yeah, so it wasn't that bad. Yeah. But it's yeah. A, but yeah, it's, it's the whole it's the whole principle of the thing, though. I, I understand.
3: Yeah. The other thing I wanted to kind of hit on here was, you know, I, I know there's been a lot of disappointment over this season, but I think if we look back to last year, I think it explains this year. Because last year, the Blue Jackets had the best offensive team they've ever had, and they also had the worst defensive team they've ever had. And a lot of times, they were able to go out there and outscore their mistakes. And that is not happening this year because you did get Voracek back this year. You don't have Strand this year. Uh, line A's been hurt. Uh, Wierenski went down. He was, uh, basically the quarterback of your power play and probably the best at digging out pucks along the wall. Dan gone. He was probably the best at chasing down loose pucks. Just a lot of things went wrong for the offense, even with the addition of Johnny Gaudreau. And this team kind of got exposed that they probably weren't as good as they were last year, but I don't think by any stretch of the imagination, they're as bad as they are this year. It's just where they got lucky a lot last year. They have not this
0: year. No, that's fair. That's very fair. And, and you're right, the, they did outscore a lot of their mistakes last year. And, and that was the thing going into the season. I mean, it was great to get Johnny, but the defense, you had to hope that there was a, um, a noticeable improvement uh, of the young players on the blue line. And instead of uh, there being noticeable improvement, what you got was Adam Boquist out for a long period of time with an injury. He was actually then injured again right before the break here. Hopefully, uh, throughout the break, he's able to get himself back to in in the lineup. Uh, Jake Bean going out for the entire season. So yeah, you already that was already the suspect position on your team, and then you lose Warenski and Bean, and you've got Boquist and Blankenberg, uh, Blankenberg out for stretches of eight weeks at a time. Yeah, it's uh, yeah they haven't uh, they haven't outscored their mistakes. You're absolutely right about that.
3: Yeah, I, I see a lot of people playing the blame game and you know they want to say, fire this guy or fire that guy. I'm sure what has gone down this year in the long run has not been a big surprise to Mr. Davidson or Mr. Kekalinen or Mr. McCray or Mr. Flynn. I, I think they had a pretty good idea that they could kind of go one of two ways this year they're either going to improve or they're going to have some issues. And unfortunately we've had issues, but I think in the overall, if you are going to have a year where everything went wrong, this might be the year to do it, especially given the depth of talent in this year's draft.
0: I agree with you on that. And, and I, I don't think, I I think what you said is correct, but I don't think that they ever thought that they would be this bad because they were never counting on being without the number of players that they're without right now. But you're right about that. If, uh, if ever there was a year, to screw it up, quote-unquote, this is the year. Because the, these mistakes and, and this this uh, this stretch of bad luck might be the best luck that you could get down the road. So we'll have to see how it all plays out.
2: Hey,
3: thanks for taking my call. You have a good week.
0: All right, Erwin thank you very much. Always a pleasure to have the conversation with you. On this Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ in 30, the Blue Jackets are back in action on Friday when they take on the Toronto Maple Leafs at Nationwide Arena. Actually, three of the next four are at home. And I had to look that up because I had no idea. I know you might think that I'm nuts on this and, and that I'm lying to you, but I'm not. But I uh, I look at the schedule in very small segments. Like, I knew we had Toronto back-to-back. I had no idea where we were going after that. And then I had to look it up and see that there's a Valentine's Day game at home, and then there's another game at home on, what, Friday? What are we playing? Tuesday, Friday, something like that. Uh, yeah, it's something like that. Tuesday, Friday, then... I don't know. I'm not sure. See, I just know their their home games, and I know the Valentine's Day game is against the Devils, because that is extremely ironic. Why are you playing the Devils on Valentine's Day? It seems like the it seems like the Devils are the team that should have that day off. They should have Valentine's Day off. What Valentine's Day is supposed to represent, it's supposed to mean the Devils shouldn't be playing, but that's who the Blue Jackets get on Valentine's Day, Jordan. Welcome to this Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and Thirty. How are you? Can't complain, Bob. It's been uh, you know it's been a really good week so far. I mean, after Johnny Gaudreau scored that hat trick in the All-Star game, you know it it really impressed me because you know sometimes when you're having those kinds of injuries, you can't blame it you know just on the uh, on your team captain because he's he's trying to lead by example as we head to the home stretch. Well, yeah, he was. Uh, he's been almost a point per game player. He has been. He's been a little bit under the radar, I think, because he has more assists and he has goals. But uh, Johnny Gaudreau has been not only the least of the problems on this team, but the brightest spot. Uh, he and Corpusalo to me, are the two bright spots on this team right now.
1: Exactly. I mean, you can never, you can never go wrong with those guys who have actually played just as good. And now, and now we picked up the guy from the waivers. I mean, Lane Pedersen might be our best bet too, because I mean, you got Nyquist is out for the season. I mean.
0: There's a good chance he might get traded, but I don't think that's going to probably be the possibility. But I want to hear, what are your thoughts about Gus? If he does get traded, where do you think he might land in? this season? Uh, uh, that's a great question, Jordan, and thanks for being on today. I don't know, and if he was healthy, I would have a better answer for you because there is still speculation that he could be traded even though he is injured. I know that uh, Chris Johnson from TSN said that yesterday, I believe it was, that he thinks that Gus Nyquist still could get traded. Now, it would be very similar to the Riley Nash situation a couple of years ago, probably where you trade him and you get a conditional pick in exchange, and then if he ends up playing X amount of games, then that that decides what round that pick is going to be in. And I could see that with Gus because he is a veteran guy. He can play anywhere, anywhere. He can play... Either wing, if he has to, he can play on any line. He is a very versatile player. So I could see a team taking a chance, hoping that he gets healthy for the playoffs. But what I can't see now is what team might be willing to do that. What team's going to take a chance? Because if he's healthy, it's not a chance. It's a no-brainer. He comes there, and he goes right into your lineup, and he plays. But now it's it's a chance. So I don't know. Does a team like I don't know, does a team like the Oilers bring on an extra guy in case they they feel they need a, a veteran guy that can be a bit of a Swiss Army knife and hope that he gets ready in time for the playoffs? Eh, could be. I'm interested in seeing what happens with Gus in the summer. To be honest with you. That that's now that he's not going to play for the Blue Jackets again this year, and I and I say that When I guess it's not fair because if he did happen to not get traded and want to play before the end of the season, I guess he could, although I don't see why there would be any reason for him to do so. But let's just say that he's done as a Blue Jacket prior to reaching free agency. My interest is to see what happens in the summertime when he is a free agent to see if he winds up coming back here or if he doesn't, if they want him to be a part. I know he wants to be here. I know he wants to be a part of what's going on. I know he likes it here. His family likes it here. And he wants to help a young group. I know that. And I think they feel the same way. Of course, it always comes down to can you work out the numbers? Can you work out the the contract, the the salary, and the term, and all that stuff? And if they both want to do it, I, I think they'll both do it. But you could still trade him for something and then have him come back. But, again, that that's what I'm more interested in with Gus right now because whatever you're going to get, even as the draft pick that you're going to get, you know, maybe you could have gotten, if he's healthy, maybe you can push and hold out and get a second. Now what are you going to get? Sixth, seventh? You take a conditional seventh where if he plays X amount, you can get it up to five or six. I, I don't know. It just changes the whole dynamic. So I don't I don't know I I could I could still see his rights getting not his rights it'd be him I could still see him getting traded, but it's going to be uh, the team's going to be taking a chance, which means they're not going to give you a very high draft pick. Finn McCool says, "How would uh, or how hot would Marchenko have to get in this post All Star break to enter the Calder race? He'll obviously need some assists to add to the point total, but would it be too tough to catch Matty Bernier's?" It would give the Blue Jackets fans something to be excited about to end the year. I think you can be excited. I don't think he's going to catch Matty Beneers. I don't. I know Beneers is hurt going into the break, but he's having an outstanding season. Um, Maybe he can get into the conversation, but I don't think you need him to win the Calder Trophy to have something to be excited about by the end of the year. I, I think just him and the way he's playing, if he continues to play like he has been, and I don't see why he wouldn't, um, I think that's exciting enough, but I I don't think he's going to get into that conversation. And if he does, he'll be red hot after the break. Ryan Marchon says, what has been your opinion of Eric Goodbranson so far? He seems like an okay defenseman, and I get it. He brings a veteran presence, but definitely not worth $4 million average annual value especially when that money could have been used to keep Gavrikov, who, in my opinion, is much more valuable to this team. Well, what do I think about uh, Eric at Branson? I'll tell you, quite frankly, what I think of Eric. I think that Eric, in the beginning of the year, didn't have a lot of ice time, and I thought he was trying to get familiar with his teammates and with the system that was being played and to a new city with a young family. I think, even though he's a defenseman who is a veteran and he has gone around and played for a lot of different teams in the league, I thought that he was making adjustments. And I thought he struggled early on in the season. Now, as I see him playing more minutes, having a more established role, having a partner in Tim Burney that he works very well with, that they wind up getting the most out of each other, quite frankly, I see Erica Branson as a, a much steadier. Solid, veteran, leader defenseman. Uh, I like him. Do you have to like the price tag? You don't have to like it. But it was the cost of doing business to get that kind of a player. A guy that uh, is big on the blue line, can be rough on the blue line. Uh, I could see, you know, as much as everybody complained about him early in the year. And you you can complain about him all you want to on a team like this. That's not going to the playoffs and has given up a ton of goals. But... If you were a team that was headed to the playoffs right now, this is the kind of guy you would covet. This is the kind of guy that you'd want to go out and trade for to get and to have. Right? Veteran defenseman, physical upside, and just gets it. Just understands the game and just gets it. But because you're not in that position right now, and and I, I do think it's funny. I, I think that I think he's better playing more minutes. I think he was struggling more playing less minutes early in the year. And, again, there were so many different things that he had to get used to. But I've liked him. I've liked him. And I've never complained about the price. And you could say you could use that money to keep Gavrikov. You know, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know. You know, I I know, he, I know Gavrikov likes it here. But – what if the amount and I've said this before he's got them over a barrel I mean he I don't know what he's asking for but he could ask for the moon with this team because he is right now the lone bona fide top defenseman in this lineup you got no Warrenensky you've got uh you know other guys that have been injured and in and out and I mean he's been steady and solid and he's got him it's a guy you want to have it's a guy playoff teams very much want. But I I don't think you can guarantee that if Branson wasn't here, that, that he was going to stay. I think there are more factors involved there. And I'm not saying they're all on him. I'm not saying they're all on the club. I'm just saying somewhere in the middle, there are going to be other factors. So Eric Good Branson, I'll tell you what, in two years, if you're going to the playoffs and you have a pretty good team, I think you'll be happy to have an Eric Good Branson. Back there playing in a six role I'm gonna clarify that I know I, I know what I just said about him playing more minutes and, and being better but again if you're on a if you're on a playoff team this is a guy you want as a six defenseman just solidify things if somebody gets hurt he can get more minutes but um yeah I I haven't had much of a problem with him at all especially lately here um Anthony asked about the draft lottery and how it works. Uh, Anthony, the conversation I had with Irwin just a little bit ago broke it all down for you about the the number of chances and all that stuff. He he broke it down better than I can. I researched it. He researched it and was articulate about it. I'm hardly as articulate about it. But, um, you know, and, and Irwin seems to think that there's a, a better chance than appears to be on paper, and that's great. That's that's wonderful. I hope he's right. I love this one. This is from Nikki or Nike. I not there's two Ks there. I don't know. But listen to this. This is a this is not a head scratcher. This is a hit your head against the wall to me. It says if the Blue Jackets have the first pick and Arizona has the second or third pick, what do you think about this trade? The Blue Jackets receive the two or three pick, which would be either Fantilli or Carlson, along with Jacob Chikrin, and Arizona receives the number one pick, which they would take Connor Bedard. couple of things. First of all, this, in my opinion, wouldn't even be possible. I don't think by the time we get to the draft lottery that this is even a possibility because... There is so much talk going on around Jacob Chicken right now. I don't think he's going to be in Arizona by the time the draft lottery comes around. I don't. I don't think he'll be there. There is heavy talk right now about the Boston Bruins trying to get him, which is just head-scratching to me in a, in a way that's like, wow, head-scratching. They could pull that off. A couple of years ago, they got Hampus Lindholm from Anaheim. they are talking about getting this guy and adding him to uh, what they have, and what they have has been pretty dominant all season long. I just don't think Chickering would be there. Even if he were there, there is no way I would make that trade. There's no way. I would not trade Connor Bedard. If I knew I was going to have the ability to take him, I'm not trading it. From everything that he has shown, he is a franchise player. He's a franchise-changing player, is the way I should put it. He has a work ethic almost second to none. He's all about hockey. He's all about being better. And he's going to make the people around him better. I would not trade the opportunity to take that guy. And have I seen him play other than video clips on social media? I watch him play in the World Junior. I wouldn't trade that guy. Now, if I don't get the number one and I get the number two and I have to, have to, twist my arm, oh, my goodness, have to take Fantilli, I'd do that too. Because here's a guy that, uh, as a freshman at Michigan, he's just tearing it up. He's bigger in size. His build is a prototypical number one centerman in the NHL. That's what he projects to be. It looks like a good consolation prize. Now, I will say this. When you had McDavid and Eichel in the same draft, Eichel looked like a good consolation prize. The Buffalo Sabres would probably tell you that it was not a good consolation prize. It was like being on let's make a deal and having a car behind door number one or curtain number one and having a red wagon behind curtain number two, okay? I would imagine that's the way they look at it because that didn't work there. And now Eichel's in Vegas, and it works sometimes. Just saw a thing the other day. Jack Eichel is playing great with um, Mark Stone, but now Mark Stone is hurt, and he's out for an indefinite amount of time, and Jack Eichel's struggling. I never hear the Conor McDavid struggling, never, never do. Team isn't winning a Stanley Cup, but I don't hear about him struggling. So anyway, I, I would, I just wouldn't make that trade. I'm hoping that if the Blue Jackets don't get the number one, and if they get quote unquote stuck with Fantilli, it'll still be a great thing, or even Carlson. But that's my order. My my personal order is that Carlson's a three. Am I a scout? No. Am I GM? No. Am I allowed to have an opinion on it? Yes. So there you go. Ah, what else? Andy McClain. Johnny Gaudreau, Patrick Laine, Boone Jenner, 14 goals, Marchenko 13, and Johnson and Nyquist with 10. Who finishes the season as the top goal scorer on the team? I'm leaning Marchenko as he's played less games and is close to the top of the list, but Laine also could get hot at any time. I agree with that. And that's why I'm going with Patrick Laine. Because just when you think he's out of it, he'll score seven goals in five games. That's how he is. That's what he does. So I think he'll still be at the top at the end of the season. And I think if Marchenko is at the top at the end of the season, it's a nice story. But I'm concerned. Because it shouldn't be him. It should be Patrick Laine. That's what it should be at the end. Uh, What else do I have? What else, what else, what else? Um, Maybe nothing. Maybe nothing as I scroll through here. Oh, (laughs) Chirp says the NBA lottery uses a 1,000 ping pong balls. Well, they play a sport that uses a ball, so there you go. How's that? Do they really? 1,000 ping pong? Jeez. How do we know? Like, I wish we'd get to see it. I, I I really wish we'd get to see them pull it. But I I don't know if we'd understand the whole formula to the doggone thing anyway. But the NHL uses 14 balls and computer combinations that are assigned to every team. And they get the they get to the uh they get to the codes by drawing the balls. That's what I read up. That's what I spent a lot of time this afternoon looking up. That kind of stuff. That's how exciting my all star break is. I read about ping-pong balls, or in this case, lack thereof. Before I close out today, I told you early in the show I was really excited about this home-and-home with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Why am I so excited about it? Is it because it's the Leafs? Nope. No, it's not. It could be anybody. It could be absolutely anybody. I'd be excited about it. Well, why is that? Because you hardly ever... Have these situations anymore in this league? You hardly ever play a home and home with the same team, and and, barely, well, and sometimes you do it, but you do it with a day in between or two days in between. I love this Friday night, Nationwide Arena. Saturday night, what is it? Scotiabank Arena, right? Yes, changed that a couple of years ago. I still get that screwed up. It's too many, there's too many, too many buildings with similar names in this league. But anyway, I digress. In Columbus on Friday, in Toronto on Saturday, boom, boom. Same team, back-to-back, let's go at it. We'll do it at our place one time, we'll do it at your place another time. I just like this. It gives you a chance to have a little animosity if there is any in game one that carries over to game two. It gives you a chance to look at the two games I know, I'm always saying, and coaches always say, well, you're looking at it one game at a time. We only want to win this one game at a time, and we're not looking at uh, two games, we're looking at one game. Ah, come on, give me a break. You have a chance to sweep two games because they're against the same team. But you can't sweep them if you don't win the first one, right? So anyhow, uh, I think it's going to be fun. I really do. And you come right out of the break, and you're going to be tested by one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference right away. At least you get to start it at home. That's a good thing. I would much rather play in this situation, playing the first game at home, than playing it on the road. And That's what the Blue Jackets are going to get to do. They're going to get to play at home on Friday night. You know, I look at this break like this. I was thinking about this earlier today. I don't know why I was thinking about it. I guess it's because I had nothing else to think about at the time. But when the break first starts... Like, we play last Tuesday against Washington. And then, you know, we do a show Wednesday with John Davidson. And then after that, there's nothing going on. And But this is unlike the end of the regular season. Like, when the end of the regular season comes, you're going 100 miles an hour every day with everything you have to do, and then it just all stops. And you have nothing to do. Well, in this case, it stops, but you know it's just a break. And the first couple of days for me are like, well, I feel like I should do something. I need to be doing something. Maybe I'll work on this thing. Uh, I got this little project over here I've got to finish. I'm going to work on that. And by the third day, I start to feel like I don't want to do anything. I don't care. You know, this is pretty nice. This is kind of a nice mental break when you've been going pretty much every other day for the last couple of months. This is nice. And then you settle into a point where, this is why I'm glad that I was doing this today, because you settle into a point where you're like, you know, I could keep doing this for a while, like nothing. I could do this for a while. And by the end of the week, I'll have to actually thrust myself into the car to go back to the rink to go to practice. But you know what? Once I get there, I'll be so happy that we're back to doing what we do. Hey, thanks for all of your questions today on this Monday mailbag edition of CBJ and 30. Blue Jackets and Maple Leafs, Friday at Nationwide Arena. See you there.